ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Welcome to a pretty nasty edition of Hard in the Paint with David Grubb. And I am so glad to welcome as my guest today, uh, Katie Chandler, also known as DJ Pretty Nasty. Um, I got my hat too. Yes, you do. You got your merch. We're going to do a merch exchange. I'm going to send you some uh, Hard in the Paint gear and you send me some Pretty Nasty gear because you got the whole family decked out now. Yes, yes, I do. You know, so so now that you you you've got come on hard in the paint, you know, I got to support you because I love music, you know, and and so that's always been big for me. But uh, you love basketball, so we have that in common. So I thought it would be a great thing to to bring those two things together here on Hard in the Paint because I do talk about music sometimes here as well. And um, you just you've been a you've been an interesting follow for me on Twitter, and and um, you you are you are certainly part of the ever growing. Um, an ever more prominent Pels fan base. So we got a lot to talk about. We do, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, first, we got to get into your background. All right. So, are you you're a Nola native? Um, I'm actually from Baton Rouge. Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So, so when did you make your 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 move to New Orleans? Ooh, I've been here about seven years. All right. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes so, I forget I'm not from here. I'm like, I'm a Nola girl. I'm like, oh man, not really. But but it's a, it's a difference because I've made the move the other way. You know, to go from New Orleans to Baton Rouge, and it's certainly a big cultural difference. What high school did you go to in Baton Rouge? I went to Dutch Town. It's like in Prairieville. Yeah, I know right? Dutch Town. Do we? Very well. Yeah. Yes. Some fun. Yeah. Eric Reed went there mm-hmm. uh, while I was there. Eddie Lacy, Ephraim Reed. So yeah, we had some fun. A fun like. Football EA is your big rival, right? East Ascension? Yes. Yeah. In San Juan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Santa Monica. Yep. I've, I've covered that game many times. So in yeah, football. So yes. So yeah, I, I know your, I know your, your area. I know your spots. Okay. Um, so have you always been a basketball fan? Did you play basketball in high school? Honestly, this is a great question. And so no, I actually, ne- I never watched basketball ever. Um, I was always into football and watched football, um, even baseball, but basketball never. And it wasn't until I linked up with my now husband where he would put on, uh, he, he would watch the Pelicans game. And I'm not going to lie, at the time, the people on the team, I think like Drew was hurt. It was like uh, Quincy Pondexter. It was like Dante Cunningham, mm-hmm. uh, AD. It was like nothing like it is now. So I remember like kind of roasting him being like, who watches the Pelicans like they, you know, they're terrible. But then I started going with, to gaze with him and it just, it moves so fast and it, it's so exciting. And I just, I'm a fan now. So I, I got converted to a basketball fan. Well, as a convert then, how do you view yourself now? Because you, you talk, you know, in your Twitter profile and everything, you say, you know, huge basketball enthusiast. Would you consider yourself still like, would you say I'm a fan more than you are like a basketball, like, junkie like have you gotten into the x's and o's of basketball are you still just i enjoy the passion i enjoy the pace i enjoy the way that you know watching the game itself and that's enough for me and that's fine i'm just trying to figure out what kind of fan you are i hmm, i would say i'm getting closer to understanding um the x's and o's but i'm mostly just just a fan just enjoying it there's no such thing as just a fan look there's no such thing as just they're just different types 
there's different yeah. types of fans. Well, I put a- my fandom was like a lot more, and I was really into it. I knew like summer league, preseason, I knew what they were doing. With, with Pretty Nasty, you know, I've kind of been busy with that. So I haven't been keeping uh, track as much as normal, but I still, I still know what's going on. But it's been good, and it's been quite a, kind of a quiet offseason for the Pelicans because the last few years we have not had quiet offseasons no, for the Pelicans. Haven't. So this was a perfect time then for you to start surging into your new career because the Pelicans made it very, very easy this offseason. Yeah, thank God, because the other ones, well. I mean, the biggest question we had this summer was whether Zion was going to sign, and that was kind of resolved pretty quickly. And right. we haven't had a lot of, you know, outside of Dyson Daniels, who, uh, you know, getting hurt in summer league and, and um, EJ Liddell, you know, those sucked. But, you know, again, it looks like the team as, as a whole is coming back intact. Um, yeah. We expect to see Zion play in week one, which would be the first time, like, I think, like, what? Yeah, I think I think he's only he's only played in one opener in three years. So this will just be his second opener. So you know, fans are you know to get the opportunity to ha- start a season with Zion is very important. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I feel like every every year, like right before the season starts, there's like this excitement, like, and there's always like some kind of major injury. So I'm just like hoping for just smooth sailing. None yeah, of that. It. Got to get through training camp. You know, we don't want to get too excited too fast. Still got to get through training camp. You know, right. BI's healing Pelican, up. Yeah, as a Pelicans fan, I have learned to not get too overly excited just in case. I try to keep it even keel. And then I'm like, okay, like I can get hype about this. Like we're safe. We're good. Yeah, it, it, but it's funny because I think we're starting to see, you know, Pelicans fans kind of reach a, a phase where the where Saints fans got to. And it's it's a little early because the Pelicans still haven't had a 500 season um, right. in the last four, four years, five years. So, but there's this little bit hint of, of, of kind of arrogance, you know, where Pelicans fans are like, we're going to go to the conference finals, go go to the NBA finals. We got the best team in the league now. And it's, it's like New Orleanians. And I think Louisianans in general, because, you know, having the experience of watching LSU, you know, break your heart a number of times, having the Saints break your heart a number of times over the course of my life and any Saints fan's life, you know, heartbreak is, is par for the course. It's funny to watch Pelicans fans go from anticipating heartbreak to anticipating success. And that is, it's, it's been a real seismic kind of shift over the last year, even though last year was still a losing season. I mean, last year, whenever we started going on a run and just like the way that we were playing, the way that it felt like such a team, like such a camaraderie that I hadn't seen, like since I started watching, like, and it was, it took me a while to like, accept like, holy shit. Like, I think our team is actually pretty good because I was just so used to like, you know, oh, we do good for three games and then we lose the next three or one, two, lose three. I was kind of used to that up and down. So that really was amazing when I finally accepted, like, no, like, we're out there playing. Like, we're actually playing. Like, we don't want to bow down. Like, finally. So. I, I, that was the biggest thing for me, and it's the thing that I kind of made one of the my biggest talking points since, um, you know, David Griffin took over the Pelicans was the team didn't have an identity. And you didn't know what they were on a night-to-night basis. And I think, you know, Willie Green came in, 
And he gave this team an identity that he said he was going to start with toughness, that he wanted this team to be mentally and physically tough. And he went out and, you know, you, you look at the players last year, particularly that, that they drafted and brought in your young guys, your Herb Jones, your Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado. And they all, you know, they embody that, that, that toughness, that, that desire on every possession to compete. And I think that that kind of filtered down and you add in a CJ McCollum who becomes the grown up in the room, which the Pelicans had not had because even Drew yeah. Holiday wasn't that grown up in the room. He's more of a guy who's content to be on the side and be quiet. JJ was ill suited for that role because he was, he's built at his stage in his career. He was ready to win something and the right. Pelicans were not. CJ right. comes along in the perfect time to be the grown up. You have what what I saw as Brandon Ingram maturing from, as I say, statistical all-star to real all-star, where he was impacting games and making things happen in a real way every night. If you can get something like that from Zion Williamson to go from statistical all-star, where you're getting the 27 points on the 60% shooting, but you're getting impact from him on both ends defensively. And if he becomes a force, yeah, this is a really exciting prospect um, to watch this team this season. I honestly, I cannot wait to see Zion because I feel like it's been so some, I think Shannon <laughs> tweeted the last time he played, he had Steven Adams as his center and uh, Eric Bledsoe as his guard. And I was like, oh my God, that feels like just like a distant memory at this point. But I just, and he, you know, like he would have a, I'm not a bad game, but he'd have like a subpar game. And I was like, he still scored like 30 points. Like, I feel like, it's been so long since he's played. A lot of people, including myself, have forgotten just how good he is and, like, some of the thing, things that he does that just leaves you just, like, you know, in a state of amazement. So I can't, I can't wait to see what he's coming with. And I think the team is in such a good position. Like, that energy is infectious. And I just – I think we're going to get a really good version of Zion. And I'm excited. But what's been the coolest thing about watching how the fan base has kind of coalesced? Because now, you know, the Pels 12 has become a, a rallying cry and it's turned into this giant kind of movement. And you've seen this surge in, in fan podcasts. You've seen a surge in just this involvement, this embracing of the team, which I think people have always wanted to do since the team moved to New Orleans. And they didn't have really a chance to do that since the Crescent City Connection days with Chris Paul, which certainly is before you were interested in the team. Right. Now there seems to be a genuine connection between team and city, which had not been there. And now the fan base wants, you know, it had always wanted to embrace the team. But now it, 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 it clearly the, the team is trying to embrace the fans as well. Right. And I feel like they can feel that, like the, the energy, you know, that they brought on the court this year, like, like, I feel like us as fans, like living in the city, like we can relate to that, just like the way the tenacity um, that they play with. But yeah, like when I first got on Pell's Twitter, there was like, I mean, there was nobody like you would, you go after a game and you would see like a couple tweets here and there. It's just, it is amazing to what, what it's grown into. And I mean, the spaces have been really cool. I've really enjoyed those. And again, that kind of brings everybody together, but, and it goes even further than basketball. Like I've had some people from Pell Twitter, like come to my shows. So like, it's kind of like permeating, like different permeating different areas of my life too. And Rel, like, I feel like me and I've never met her before in my life, but like, that's my girl, like, <laughs> and yeah. It's become a little family and it's, it's really interesting because it's, 
like unlike a lot of fan bases, there's gatekeeping in a lot of fan bases. And there doesn't seem to be as much gatekeeping with Pelicans fans. Like they want more people to come inside the party and join up. And then you also see, you know, and Chris Connor, who does a phenomenal job with the spaces and his desire to make sure that everybody gets a chance to be heard, that it's not the same people, the same fans every time dominating the conversation. He's had episodes where it's been like, I want to make sure the women get to talk because in a lot of times women get marginalized in these basketball discussions, in sports discussions in general. And it's, uh, you know, and he doesn't allow it to be, what's a woman's perspective on basketball? You're just a fan. And you just need to be treated. You just want to be treated like a fan, like anybody else. And I think that that's been a really uh, cool thing to watch as well. Yeah, he, he does do a really good job on that. And I think one one of them was my fault because <laughs> I was listening to because I you know I listen to all the spaces. I always think like, ooh, like what can I say? But I'm like, I'm not going to talk. Like it's a bunch of dudes talking. And then I heard um, Aaron Summers' voice on there, and it just kind of occurred to me. I was like, oh snap! Like I haven't heard like a female voice, and since. So then after that, like they kind of made it a point, like we want female fans to come in and, and share their opinions. So that was really cool. And I really appreciated that. So thank you, Chris. And let's have some um, some fun questions. Okay. Um, okay. What's been your, uh, since you became a Pelicans fan, what has been your highest moment? What's your favorite in arena moment when you were watching or at home watching on TV as a Pelicans fan? Honestly, I even with everything that just happened, uh, I think the Pels Blazers series is still like, it's still my favorite. Like, I will never forget like Miritich, just like three after three after three after three and everyone just going like crazy. Like that always stands out to me. And of course, the the series we just had um, beating the Suns, I was there for that one. That That was insane as well. Just because I wasn't expecting, like I knew we were going to give him a hard time, but we really like pushed him to the brink. So I was like not expecting that. Now you have to touch touch the other end of the spectrum. What's been the most difficult moment when you as a fan? Oh, I, okay. When I tell you, I cried. So whenever Boogie Cousins came to the team, I was such a huge fan. He wore the underwear on his head at Mardi Gras and I was like oh this dude is going to be like perfect for our city and then you know him and AD had problems at first like it wasn't quite gelling but then I remember they just started like really getting good and things were heating up and we had Rondo on the team I'm like we are beating the Rockets let's go and the Achilles tear happened I remember watching the game and I remember they showed I was like maybe it's not that bad and I remember they showed Del Dems's face and he looked like he just saw a ghost. And I was like, ooh, man. They were doing like no limit covers and stuff, like mm-hmm. on magazines. Like it was cool. Like, and I always think like, hmm, I wonder how that would have gone. But then again, our situation now is so good that it's it's made it better. So yeah, I, I, that team to me was kind of um a paradoxical team because it was really good at times, but it was hard. You know, again, they had to get hot at the very end of the season to sneak yeah. in and get that sixth spot. They got the great matchup. I remember thinking at the time, and I wrote about that, I was like, the Blazers were the perfect matchup for the Pelicans. They were a team that, that they could, that they, everything the Pels did well, the Blazers didn't have an answer for on offense or defense. Drew was able to shut down Damian Lillard. Nobody could guard AD at that point. 
Um, and like you said, Miritich shot the ball like he was going insane. The and Rondo was playing, was orchestrating things as well as possible. But what people didn't realize, the seeds for AD's d- departure had already been sown. You know, and and I was told about some things at that time. And you know, you try to keep things quiet because you don't know for certain. But it was right. just the seeds were already sown um, for his departure. He he had he had mentally, I think, checked out during that season because there was, like you said, there was a real conflict at times between him and Boogie. There was a real conflict at times between him and the front office, of course, because they still wanted him to play center. Um, and that was the whole reason they had to bring Boogie in, but he never, AD has never embraced that as we've seen since he's been with the Lakers. But like you said, all of that has brought us to this point where you've got arguably the most talented team that the Pelicans have had in their history from top to bottom, you'd say from one to 15, the only guy that, that, that you would say you don't want to ever see touch the court. I'm going to say is Garrett Temple. You know, I'm going to say that for you. Cause I don't want to make you, you know, you're a fan and I don't want you to say it. Seems like he's so nice. I can't, but I you, can't. but I mean, it was like, it was tough watching him play. Let, let's, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I'll say cool, it. Like, so you don't have to. Okay. Thank you. It's some cool, like pregame fits and all that, but, but yeah. But I mean, everybody else on this roster is a legitimate contributor, it feels like. And that's that's yeah. not a position you've been able to, to look at this team and say, you know, like you said, you went through the years when it was Dante Cunningham and Solomon Hill playing power forward. And you're like, mm-hmm. yeah. just there were the years with no point guards on the roster. You're like, now you actually have a team that you look at and you say, we're pretty good at every spot. Um, you'd like to see maybe. Uh, I'd like to see maybe a veteran point guard. If you would make it a change to the roster, um, if you would add one thing or take one thing, um, what would you like to see added? I don't, you don't have to say a player's name leaving, but if there were something that you would add to this team, what would you add to it? More points. (laughs) (laughs) I I love our team so much as is that I'm like, and we got CJ. I'm like, Oh no, you tell me. I mean, I think they have, you know, I don't think points would be a problem. You got four guys in the starting line who can legitimately give you 20 every night, you know, uh, easily. With Ingram, obviously we know he can give you 20. He's averaging 24, 25 with the Pelicans. Zion, who's averaged 27. Uh, CJ's a 20-point score for the most of his career. He'll probably be right around 20 now and as the third scorer. That's what you would expect as that to kind of fall in. And, and of course, we know that uh, – uh, you know, the big man in the middle can, can, can give you some, give you 20 points on a night any anytime too. And I think Herb Jones is a guy um, who can develop into a Scottie Pippen type talent, a guy who can do it on both ends of the floor and Herb, you know, can give you, we, we saw he can shoot the ball pretty decently. He can initiate the, the offense at times. And then you look at the bench, Trey Murphy can put up points. You know, um, we know that Trey Murphy can score. We know that occasionally Jackson Hayes can score in bunches. Now his defense is, needs some work, but I think that the offense is, is is going to be fine. For them, it's always a question of how consistent are they on the defensive end? Do they stop other teams defensively? And I think that's the big thing maturity-wise because they're still a very young group. And right. I think that's the thing is maturity-wise this season, can they defend? And that's what stops what you talked about, going from a three-game win streak to a two-game losing streak right after. And, and, and I think that's the biggest thing this season. And I, I think that's Willie's emphasis this entire offseason. That's why you drafted Dyson Daniels. That's why you drafted E.J. Liddell, was to make your defense even better and more versatile um, going forward. Yeah, and I think both of them really fit the – 
defensive identity that we were going for. So it's because um, if you were in charge of the Pelicans fan experience, the game day experience, what would you what would you change or what would you add to the Pelicans fan day experience? I mean, selfishly, I would like to be the Smoothie King DJ. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but um, I did. Man, I feel like they have fixed a lot of things, not going to lie. Like, I remember, like, I was complaining. I was like, about the music. I was like, you know, we have some really cool, like, New Orleans artists that would get people hype. And I felt like when I went for the playoffs, I, it really felt like they had paid attention to that. So I did feel like the fan experience did improve. We got rid of that, the drum thing, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody was digging that. No, it's gotten to be a much more, yeah, it, before it felt like it was a sterile environment, very generic. Yeah. And now it feels a lot more New Orleans. It does. You know? It has more, more uh, personality. You're, you're so right. Like, I mean, New Orleans is gritty. Fans. New yeah. Orleans is gritty and they want that music. They want the bounce. They want the, you know, the, the no limit. They want the cash money feel. They want that, that, I mean, look, this is, it's a music city. It's a music city, and, and it's so much part of the culture and that resilience, too, and you saw the team embrace it. When you see the team dancing to Boosie at the end of wins, you know, oh, and you have, great. you know, guys doing wipe me down, and, you know, it's it just, it's, it's, again, a bunch of outsiders. You know, when you see Larry Nance, when you see C.J. McCollum doing those things, when you see these guys who have embraced the New Orleans culture and they're saying, well, Hey, this is fun. This is, we want to be a part of this. This is a unique city. There aren't a lot of cities in the world like New Orleans. Um, there's no city in the, in the world like New Orleans, but there are very few unique cities. And New Orleans is one of those. And I think that it took so long, you know, for this, for the franchise to embrace, just like, don't be, don't be ashamed to be in New Orleans. Right. Yeah. You, you brought up such a good point when you said uh, players embracing the city. It really did feel like, you know, oh, we're on the Pelicans. Like nobody wants to play for us. Nobody wants to be here. AD just left. Like we're we're a disaster. And then to see people like, you know, Jose, like how we've embraced him, because like we can genuinely tell that you know, he's he's a ride or die. And, you know, Larry Nance is buying school supplies for teachers or whatever else. Like you kind of just see like we're at a point where people actually do want to be here. And that that's amazing because we haven't, it hasn't felt that way. It almost felt like we were either just temporarily passing through or like, Oh, I'm just waiting to hit free agency, get traded. So that's been, that's been a huge difference maker. As a and it's changed that perception. You know, it's the thing that AD likes to talk about. Antonio Daniels always talked about changing the narrative and, you know, the league has made New Orleans for some reason it's it's kicking post when there are other bad that you know franchises that are much worse, you know, Sacramento, oh, yeah. Oklahoma City, you know, there's plenty of franchises that have, have done Orlando. We could talk about them and and they've been pretty unsuccessful in keeping and managing talent as well. But New Orleans always seems to be in the one that they always picked on. And I think that the, the last year went a long way in the way that they played and the way that the fans embrace them, the way the players embrace the city in changing that view. And I think now, you know, now all of a sudden everybody's on board with the Pelicans. Everybody expects the Pelicans outside now, you know, the, the, the city. They expect the big things from the Pelicans. And it's just it's funny because still New Orleans folks are petty. And they yeah. know and they keep names on everybody who talked badly about their team in the past. Boy, do they, they all, Hey, all the receipts, uh, 
Ken, shout out Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> He'll never live that one down. I was so that I enjoyed that night. That was so, so cool. Much. I can't believe he actually he actually came. I was like, okay, I, I respect you for actually getting in here. Like he was a lot of wrong, but he showed up. He had a right, whole that's lot of wrong too. Yeah. <laughs> so he took he took the roasting and he lived yeah. up to it. The, the, I mean, he made his bet. Is I resigned? He, he's he's living up to his commitment about making a donation to the city. So I respect that. But uh, he was a whole lot of wrong uh, oh. at the time. It's, weird. <laughs> it's so weird to see like uh, national media people talk well about the Pelican. It just, I don't know. It just leaves me feeling so weird. I'm like, wait, is this like a, a, a setup? You get cursed from this? <laughs> You're just so used to them saying like trash, poverty team. They're you know selling the team. They're moving to Seattle, and it's just so crazy to hear them actually say some well warranted and positive things. So. Yes. Here's another one for you. Is it time for a full on Pelicans uniform makeover? I think so. Now, the one thing I don't want to see before I let you, I don't want to see any more Mardi Gras uniforms. I'm tired of the Mardi Gras uniforms. I think we can do better than that. I think there's a lot going on besides, I mean, Mardi Gras is cool. And it was too easy. It's like, Mm -hmm. like, culturally like yeah there's a there's a ton to offer so i think we could do better well would you you know are there would you change the team's colors would you um i think the logo is fine you know i think the logo is fine i wish they would use the um the secondary logo a little bit more the circle the crescent city basketball logo yeah um i love that one and i love the solo head without the wings. I'm a big fan of that one without the wings. Uh, I wish they would use those a little more. I think they're more versatile to use. Um, and I think they could be prominent on the jersey. I think you could have a jersey with that Pelican head right in the center, you know, and, and no name on it, no words on it. And I think that could be really interesting. But what would you do? What do you, you have any, have you ever thought about any ideas? You, you know, you're a stylish person. You come up with, you know, you know. Honestly, I, I gotta say, I've seen other people's, um, creations kind of oh man that looks cool or but but no I haven't thought of anything um as long as it doesn't look like the I thought the no limit jerseys would look cool but then I looked at them again I'm like no maybe not yeah it was a little it was a little a little little much it was a little more and one mixtape tournament than NBA it's still got to be the NBA you want a certain level of class that comes with it professionalism um, but you can certainly add more city elements or and I think you could play with some of the colors, maybe. Um, but I don't mind the red and blue. It's just how it's used. I don't ever want to see the blue uniforms. The blue uniforms are my least favorite of the three. The, I like the red. I dig the white. The blue ones are I, they don't ever have to wear the blue ones again. The navy blue doesn't rock. In my no. opinion, <laughs> I'm not a fan. Um, like you said, you talked about there are teams now that do have in-house DJs. There are a lot of teams that do do that. You know, have you uh, thrown your your hat in the ring and t- maybe tucked it with the Pelicans and say, are y'all interested in Because there are, look, this, again, there are a number of local DJs. If it's not you as the in-house, maybe that's something that you could push for and talk about maybe on a rotating basis, getting New Orleans DJs in there and put, and be the, the masters of that music um, on a night-to-night basis. Yeah, I mean, I'll play the downstairs by the, um, what's it called? The where, where you buy the clothes? I'm having a complete the Pelican shop. Yeah, the, the yeah, team shop. <laughs> the Pelican shop. I'll play outside, wherever. I just think it would be cool to do it. Like as a fan who like really 
cares about the success of the team, just like jamming, vibing with the people. We got to get you in connection with the with this front office then. We got to find a way to do that. Yeah, no, seriously. I mean, just say, look, because you're right. They do they do bring in folks down there. And, you know, you like you say, you've been in there and their DJs down there. Get your shot. Get your shot. You've been, you know, you're on the come up. You're on the come up. I, I feel like I am too. Like, let's do it. That'd be who, so fun. If you, if you had to pick your favorite player, who is your current favorite player on the Pelicans? Oh, wait, I have, I have the jersey on. <laughs> it is Herb Jones. Herb is my favorite too. Herb. <laughs> Herb is my favorite too. From the moment he joined the team, I thought he was going to be special. Um, and I am a big, big fan of Herb Jones. What, what do you enjoy most about watching Herb play? He kind of just goes in there and, and does his thing. Like he, he doesn't say too much. Um, I mean, he's just a, a beast on defense. And I've never really like got excited about the defensive aspect of the game, but like some of the things that he does, like the blocks, the steals, I'm just like, wait, what just happened? Like, he's just so good at it. I like when he was chirping at Chris Paul because you don't really see him. He kind of just is so even keel all the time. And then he was like, mm, Chris Paul. And I was like, okay, now he's even higher on my list of, of people to love. I think and also gonna- too, like, like you said, I mean, he was a second round pick and I didn't really know, I knew he was going to be good, but to see him make the impact that he did right away. And I know how hard he works um, to see him improve his shot. So much upside. I can't wait to see how he comes out this season. I, like I said, I, I think he has Scottie Pippen level potential. I think he can be a star in this league, not just a role player. I firmly believe that Herb Jones could be a star in this league. And I, you know, as soon last year as we knew that Zion was not going to be able to play, I was like, put him in the starting lineup. Herb's the best thing you have to put in a starting lineup because I felt like, you know, again, this is a dude who can guard four positions for all, you know, point guards, two, three, four, he guards them all. And again, that offensive versatility that you talk about, the ability when he gets in the open court and you see it, like even when those times when it's him and Trey and Jose have been on the court together, we saw in the playoffs, the three of them, it's seamless. You saw, I mean, even when they don't score points, they make an impact. And that is the sign to me of really great basketball players is that it doesn't have to just be about your scoring. You're able to contribute. You're able to make your team win just by being on the floor because you're smart and you know your job. And just the way he, he rattles people, like, especially as a rookie, it's like they've never played against him before. And it's like, Oh, but they learned today. (laughs) Not on her. What just happened? (laughs) Not on her. And I also like the fact that I think he is the cheapest basketball professional basketball player I've ever seen because he I've never seen him wear anything but team issued gear or NBA gear and I think her that to me is a young man who knows that I'm saving my money and I think one day Herb Jones can end up being the dude who buys the Pelicans (laughs) because he'll be the one who keeps all his money (laughs) because he doesn't spend it on anything frivolous I've not seen a gold chain I've not seen her you don't hear any stories about Herb hanging out that dude is focused on his career and he is cheap and I love it. I love it. Right. Yeah. He's all about his business. He's like, I'm going to let what I do on court talk for me. Big, big fan. And I, I hate saying that I have because I, Jose, obviously great. I was Jose Chan, uh, BI, love him. I'm so appreciative of him wanting to be here because there was time, especially last season or where, no, not last season, the season before things weren't looking so great. It's like, at least we have BI and he's an all-star. So appreciate him. Willie green, 
love him love everybody honestly <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's hard not to like the staff you know i love teaspoon i love uh jaron collins i love you know that the, the it's the assistants are the team seems to have a great connection with the assistants the players again like we talked about it's it's a, a team that's hard not to root for and that again is a special thing that that you hope continues to build. There's no way to predict the future. This is sports. It's really hard, but you, you, you feel an energy that seems like if it's, that it's a, a, a the momentum is rolling forward in all the ways that it should. They've been making smart decisions in the front office. They put together a good staff. They've put together a talented roster and that gives you so much confidence as a fan base um, looking, looking ahead. So if you did, Let's say today, if you were picking a record or a position in the in the in the Western Conference, where would you place the Pelicans um, at their best? If you say everything goes right this year, guys are relatively healthy, things go well. How where do you think rank the Pelicans in the in the uh, Western Conference? Honestly, I'd be happy with like a six or seven seed at this point. Just not yeah. Don't just don't back in and have to be in the play in. Get out of the play in. Right. Right. And I think like everything we did last year, not even in the top eight, I'm like, okay, six, but I'll, I'll give my, I'll say seven, like for cushion. But yeah, I think we're good. I think if everything goes the way it's supposed to, we should be making some noise. Coming I think, for the next. <laughs> yeah. I think if, if everything goes well, looking at the Western conference, I think they could be fighting four or five or yeah. four, depend, you know, because I think that there are teams in front of them, you know, certainly you, you can't count out Golden State, the champions. You, Phoenix, even if they fall back some, that's still a very good team. Um, Denver has the reigning MVP and will have a healthy Jamal Murray. So there are, you know, you can't, the Lakers have meh, whatever, if whatever they do, but they are the Lakers. I mean, it's, right. there are some, you know, the Rockets should be better. They're not going to be the worst team in the, in the right. you know, one of the worst teams in the league. So it's, it's always, the West is always hard. Dallas, certainly with Luka Doncic, you know, it's right. a tough conference. Like as um, good as I think we're going to be, it's like there's also other teams that are really, really that are good, good and making moves and getting better. So Minnesota got better and Minnesota was a team that the Pelicans had trouble with. So, you I know, it's expecting that. Yeah. Not on my bingo card for them to do as well as they did. No. So it's, 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 it's not going to be easy. That's the thing is that I think, you know, there are steps to this and to go from, let's say if the Pelicans, the Pelicans won what 36 games last year, if they got to 45 wins, a nine or 10 game improvement, that'd be a substantial amount for a one year improvement in the Western conference. And I think that that's where you, you get to that 45 win area. Then you start to get to the 50 win. You st- and, and each year you tweak it a little bit more. I think you're, what the position is, in two more or three more years is, is where you want to really be in that championship prime contention. It's not, I don't think it's this year. I don't think you jump from 36 to champion, you know, as, and, and, and you can always be optimistic as a fan and something might happen It's sports, who knows, but I just think it's hard to make that jump from 36 wins to champion. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, of course I, I want us to be, but I don't, I don't think yet. I think we're going to do great, but not quite there yet. So now let's switch gears <laughs> to your um, other career, your DJ career. Yes. What got you interested in becoming a DJ? Okay, so I have been <clears throat> attending uh, electronic music events and festivals since about like 2014. 
And I switched jobs recently and I actually had free time for the first time since like ever. And I was like, Ooh, I can do like whatever I want to do. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a DJ. And that's pretty much how it went uh, during Ida. Like I had been wanting to do it, but just didn't, you know, it, it takes a lot. So I just kind of wanted to do it. But finally, like during Ida, I had to go stay at my mom's house because she had power and I didn't. And ironically, Guitar Center was one of the only places with power. So I showed up, I bought my little, my first little board and I was just at her house. I didn't have anything else in the world to do. And that's when I learned. And it kind of just happened a little way quicker than I thought. Um, I actually just went to San Francisco to play. That was so cool. But who are your inspirations sonically, like behind the turntables, like the people who you, the DJs that you really liked and, you know, that inspired you. And then musically, like you say, you love EDM, but, um, you know, where do, where do you, what kind of artists do you gravitate to? So even I play electronic music, but most of it is hip hop based. Like I've always loved hip hop growing up. My parents would like confiscate my CDs that I burned and then I get in their car and they were playing and playing them. And I was like, wait, like you just stole this from me. So I like to do, I put a lot of, um, a lot of hip hop vocals like over the tracks. And, and that's the kind of stuff I like to play. Cause it's like, Oh, things people know, but also I'm like taking them over to the dark side. Cause it's like a little weird too. Um, it's really hard for me to say who, who inspired me. Cause there's, there's so many, <laughs> my brain is just not coming up with anything. It's okay. Honestly, see, seeing people that, you know, do it is the thing that made me be like, okay, like if they can do it, then I feel like I could try it. I could do it too. So that was probably my biggest inspiration um, for wanting to do it. And I just, I just love playing music. I always had the aux cord. Like that was like my job, like every trip, every hangout, they're like, Katie, put the music on. And then I was like, okay, if I'm like killing it like this, I could get paid to do this. I could play for people other than my friends. So it just became this whole, whole thing. And what was it like? What was it like that first time when you took it from the backyard to an actual club setting. Okay. So for my first, a lot of times uh, when DJs debut, they open to like an empty room. There's like no one there and they can just mess up <laughs> as much as they want to. I actually got a headline show for my first, just because of um, my friends and, and people that supported me. So I had to debut as a headliner and oh my goodness, I was like, the pressure. I was like, I've never played in front of all these people before. I've never played at a venue. So like all day, it was the weirdest thing. People kept being like, are you nervous? Are you nervous? And I'm like, it's like, I am anxious and excited, but yeah, it's like the weirdest feeling. I was like, am I going to throw up? Am I not going to throw up? But like the second I walked onto that stage, I just like black. Out. it's like something else in me just like takes over it's like the weirdest thing I mean you see the stuff that that I'll be doing so yeah <laughs> that's like someone else just takes over and I'm just like an entertainer at heart I guess because it's funny True. because like you're very chill when in this conversation but yeah. pretty nasty's page is not chill <laughs> it's not chill it is it is like your alter ego. How did you come up with that in particular, that name? Did you give it to yourself or was it bestowed upon you? 
This is actually a great story. So when I first started, my name was LAB, which stands for, I don't know if I can curse on here. You can curse. We curse all the time. Local ass bitch. Okay. It's like a joke. (laughs) Like you're just some local ass DJ. So we're at like like a warehouse party. It's like 4am and it is like just one of those hot, muggy, disgusting Louisiana days. My hair is like wet from sweat. And I said, man, I was like, I am just so nasty. I am disgust. Like, oh, I hate how nasty I am right now. And my friend goes, well, at least you look pretty. And I was like, yeah, pretty nasty. And then I was like, <gasps> and just like my life flashed before my eyes. I'm like, what a great way to like describe like my life. Like the whole point of, wait, I got to promote my hat. The whole point of pretty nasty is it is a duality. Like it's like, I look a certain way and I can be a certain way, but also like, I like to get down and, and have fun. And I'm not, I'm kind of weird too. So I'm not what you would expect. Like when you first look at me, so it represents that duality in my life. So yeah, I think, I think people do have an expectation of a female DJ that you're going to present yourself in a certain way. And, you know, you're not afraid to be pretty. You're not afraid to, you know, to be that, but at the same time, like you said, you, your music, I've listened to your mixes. I've, I'm, I'm subscribed to your SoundCloud. And like that. that that shit is is hard. Yeah. Like that shit is hard. And you like you said, you insert the little the you have the little vocal interludes and stuff that drop in. And it's like, yo, she's not fucking around here. She's yeah. she's she's about this music. Like yeah. it's 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 not a, you can tell it's not a hobby. I mean, these are you're putting together 50 minute mixes and they're they're you know, this is not bullshit for you. No, not, not at all. And it was crazy to put the first one out. Cause I was like, all right, I'm not perfect. I just started. I hope it goes well. And people just like loved it. And it kind of just blew. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm gonna have to give y'all a second one. But yeah, it, it's been, it's been great. And I'm like, man, I really should have done this sooner, but I feel like it had to kind of work out the way that it worked out. It hits at the times that it should, you know? And, and like you said, if you had started earlier, maybe you don't open as a headline. If you started right. earlier, maybe you don't get the same opportunity that you got. Maybe you're not, you don't have an agent coming out the gate. You know what I'm saying? Like those opportunities that are coming to you, you know, timing has a way of working out. And, and- it really does. And my biggest thing too, is uh, if I, I think if I would have done this when I was younger, it takes a lot of confidence and you have to, you really have to know who you are because you're going to get criticized. You're going to get hated on. People are going to have opinions. I just feel like when I was younger, I really cared a lot more about all that. And now I'm like, I just know who I am and I'm confident in myself. So I don't care anymore. So it's really perfect timing. And your support system has really embraced it. Like I said, you have the whole family. I see the pictures and you got from your mother, your father, you know, everybody, the whole nasty family. Um, How cool has that been, though, too, to know that they are right there in your corner and are like part of this, too? Oh, it's it's been the coolest thing. My uh, my nephew, he's one well he's like one uh my sister-in-law sent him to daycare with like a pretty nasty sticker on his lunchbox so like everyone is so important my grandpa we got him a pawpaw nasty shirt so yeah that's been that's been crazy for everyone to just be like all right go like just run with it and we'll support you because people like it people feel the vibe people can relate to it you know it's all about just it's all about having fun the whole entire thing not taking it myself too seriously. I was like, we're here to cut up. <laughs> but what's, what would, what's the dream? Like if, if this goes the way that you want it, 
And where where do you want to take this? Um, uh, you know, people say like, oh, you know, whatever happens, happens. Of course, I, I want to like go all the way. And um, I started uh, making my own music. I haven't put anything out yet, but that's going to change the game. But I eventually like to play major festivals, hopefully one day if I keep working really hard. Um, a residency somewhere would be cool. We shall see. Hey, you know, if it's, if you don't have a plan, you're just doing shit. So, you know, this it's is cool. True. You got a goal. So I hope I hope you make it. Like I said, I'll be following you because I certainly have been. And it's been like I said, I enjoy it. I enjoy the music and I enjoy your personality, um, that that duality. It's, it's very different to follow Katie and the, the follow pretty nasty. There's That's a, why I have to make the separate accounts because I'm like, it's too different. It's, just, it's almost like a care. It's an exaggerated version of myself, like a character. You got the wig back, though. You did get the, the wig back. That was... I don't know how. I... <laughs> when I saw that on my uh, kitchen chair, I was like, how did that get here? And like, look at the condition it's in. Oh, my goodness. That was fun. I, I, like I said, it's just it's been a really cool thing to watch you um, develop uh, in a short amount of time. And, and um, I'm excited to, to be a fan of yours um, as much as you are excited to be a fan of the Pels. So, like I said, we'll swap gear. Well, I'll get you some hard to paint gear and you give me some pretty nasty gear and I'll rock it for you um, because, yeah, I, I want to see you do well, too. I, I love that's that's part of um, why I love what I do so much is that I have been able to to support so many other people and they've supported me. And um, I think that's the nature of this. this I want to see everybody win. You know what I'm saying? If you're doing something cool, you're doing something good and, you, and it's coming from the right place. I want to see you win. So you're a person that's busting your ass and you're trying to do something cool. And so I want to see you win. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's all about, first of all, people really like seeing somebody do something that they want to do because so many people, you know, they're afraid. They're afraid to try something new. So when you see somebody, you know, working towards something and doing something that you can tell they're passionate about, I agree. Like support as much as you can, support your friends, repost their stuff, whatever. You know, that, that's the easiest thing you can do. Is the just right, like that's the bare minimum. Yeah, <laughs> like it, retweet it, subscribe to stuff. We have to remind people to do those things. And it's like, hey, just it's a click. You you click on so much stuff during the day. Right. Just, just make sure you click on mine. That's right. what, that's all I'm asking. Make like sure strange click. people you don't know. It's like, all right, I can you you can do it for somebody you actually know. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you've tw- you you retweeted some nonsense. You can help you can help me out. <laughs> And hook me up and, and, and post some of my stuff too. If the Pelicans, if they do win, if and when, I'll say it if and when, be as positive as possible. If and when the Pelicans win a championship, what do you think that atmosphere is just going to be like in the city of New Orleans? Man. Is it oh Saints level bananas? Or is it, I think oh, it might yeah. even be. It could even what? be different, just a completely different way because basketball folks are 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 really passionate people. And we've been waiting a long, we've been through some hard times. So yeah, that's going to pop off. Like I I try to imagine it and I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) can't wait for that day. Cause it's a day that you felt like was never going to come. I mean, it just, everything just felt so hopeless at different points. So to be on this trajectory, I'm like, yes. And it feels so good as like, you know, everyone bandwagon. Okay. I haven't been a fan since like the very beginning, but having been a fan for a while, it really does feel 
so great knowing that like we I've been through some of the lows and now I'm like you know riding the wave and I get to experience the highs and it's you just burned your stripes right it's hitting different as someone who's been the struggle with the pill so I thank you so much for coming I'm gonna give you your chance to plug now tell folks how they can follow you how they can get your music all that stuff and and if you got some gigs coming up you can plug those right now too okay um, so you can, I made the same handle for literally everything. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm a, a genius. So yeah, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, it's at pretty with two Y's, nasty with three Y's. Hold on, I have it on a piece of paper. <laughs> I'll hold it up. And it's like the messiest handwriting. I don't even know if you can see. Yes. Yeah, so two Y's, then three Y's. Um, so right now I have a, a couple things for in the works, potentially something for Halloween. Um, so I will keep y'all updated, but yeah, follow me. Even if you don't like the music, follow me just if you want to be entertained, because <laughs> I feel like it's pretty entertaining. It's entertaining. It's your, like I said, you're an entertaining follow. Um, <laughs> sometimes you say some outlandish shit and it's funny. Um, so it's fun to watch. And, uh, um, how can folks, if they want to book you? How do they get in contact with your management? Um, they can just reach out. It's Renee at Ragency.co. And you can find that email address on all of my socials. Or you can just send me a message, like whatever works. All right. Um, it's been a pleasure. I hope you've had it a good time. I have. This is fun. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I was glad to do it. And I, I'm sure we will talk again at some point during the season because expected to be a really fun season to have and you've been a a really fun guest to have so um for katie chandler aka pretty nasty i am david grubb you know how to get at me at dm grubb on instagram twitter and of course the website hitp with dg.com and you can get the podcast wherever you get your podcast so um please make sure you like subscribe comment whatever help help boost it up and um you know, like I said, follow our links. There's merch you can get. There's stuff you can do to support local people doing good shit. So do yes. that. And and uh, I'll let you say, let's go Pels and ride us out. All right. Let's go Pels. Let's do it. All right. Till the next time. This has been Hard to Paint. I'll talk to y'all soon.